0: First of all, I want to wish all of you, especially the fathers among us, a happy Father's Day. Know of my prayers for all of you. You know, several years ago, I led a pilgrimage to Italy. I've taken several, but this one calls to mind, comes to mind today on this 12th Sunday of Ordinary Time. At the end, we found ourselves in Milan, getting ready to go over the pond, as we say, for home on a large jumbo jet just in time for the Fourth of July weekend. I remember feeling a sense of security and confidence as we boarded this really amazing plane. It was massive and solid. What could possibly go wrong? But that feeling of confidence quickly evaporated over the Swiss Alps. The captain made an announcement that an indicator of some sort had gone off in the cockpit and there was a possible fire in one of the engines. Click. What? Within minutes, the pilots were dumping fuel as we turned back toward Milan. And fear raced up and down the cabin. I sensed a lot of bargaining and prayer going on all around me. Lord, if you just get us down, I'll change. I'll be better. Every bump led to audible gasps, even though that wasn't anything about what was going on. As we circled the Milan airport, we could see emergency vehicles along the runway, complete with flashing red lights that seemed to signal our doom. And I remember the priest that I was traveling with, with his group of pilgrims, extended general absolution to all the passengers, leading a woman to have a panic attack. Yes, I was very annoyed with my newly ordained brother for scaring the entire coach section of the plane. But then again, what if the dork was right? What if this was it? It felt so uncomfortable. Of course, because I'm here, you know the rest of the story. That We landed safely. The indicator was faulty, not the engine being faulty. But many of the passengers objected strenuously when we had to board the same plane six hours later, to head for home. All confidence was gone in this magnificent jet. In light of this experience, I can easily put myself in the boat with the panicked disciples as I meditate on this story, that sense of helplessness, vulnerability, and bargaining. Lord, I'll be good if you get me out of this mess. When there is nothing you can do to protect yourself, it's a bit overwhelming. Can't grab the steering wheel. If uh, things go out of control when you're at 40,000 feet or when you're in, in the middle of dangerous seas, those who have received, for example, a pink slip or a terrible health news often feel the same way. Yet Jesus is completely at peace, sleeping in the stern with his head on a cushion. Wake up, Jesus! I've been to the Sea of Galilee, it's beautiful. I once heard confessions on a boat for a group of pilgrims as we went from shore to shore. I can't remember how long it took, but it was long enough that I remember I got a bad sunburn on my forehead. From what I understand, storms well up quickly there and without help of a motor and the assistance of weather radar. From the middle of that sea, it wouldn't be an easy feat to get safely to ashore on a moment's notice. I can see how the disciples would have panicked. I felt that feeling. But again, Jesus isn't frightened. He was asleep. And when he does rise, things come quickly, change, as he rebukes the storm and he restores calm. And in the process, he inspires the curiosity and amazement of his disciples. Who can this be that the wind and the seas obey him? As the second person of the Trinity, Jesus is the author of creation. He has always existed, so the power of nature caused him little concern. It was just a storm. Who can this be that the wind and sea obey him? I think the power of this story rests in the disciples and the fact that the uh, disciples shared it along with their lack of faith. In other words, They aren't exactly donning their apostolic superhero capes here. They failed. They didn't trust. They didn't have faith as Jesus posits. And the specific details about the cushion that Jesus slept on leads scholars to believe that there was very little editorializing in this story. It was just the facts. Leaves the apostles looking like idiots. Of course, Every biblical story has a deeper meaning, doesn't it? It's just not a boat ride gone bad. It's an analogy for the storms of our lives. By the way, it's not a matter of if the storms will come. It's a matter of when the storms will come. Sometimes we face severe buffeting, illness, loss, death, pain, separation, unemployment, and family strife. Sometimes it seems like... It all happens at once, like it did for Job in our first reading today. In our own age, I feel as if authentic Catholics are facing the storms of counterculturalism, whereby we suffer for embracing the truth of Jesus. This type of suffering, This type of storm has been experienced throughout history and taken to its greatest extreme. The church has experienced seasons of persecution and seasons of martyrdom. In the storms of Galilee, the disciples wake Jesus with the panicked question, Don't you care? Do you not care for us? I have to admit, on my worst days, I've pondered the same question. As we grow weary of the cross, it seems an obvious question. Don't you care about us? Perhaps God has set us aside in life. Or it's a question that Job pondered after he lost everything and sat on the ground, covered with boils and sores. Don't you care about me? But is our perception reality? In times of extreme difficulty, it's always easy to feel abandoned and lonely. Or maybe we wonder if God even exists at all. Or maybe he isn't as omnipotent as we once were taught. Maybe there's another problem in France that needs his attention more. The food's better there anyway. Or maybe he's asleep with his head on the cushion, oblivious to the storms that assail us. Sometimes we use the terms far, and near describe God's presence when we are struggling. God is far away from me at this moment. Maybe God is far away from us all the time. But really, such a perception is nonsensical. For God is never far away from us. God is always completely present to us, most especially on this altar in the sacramental life of the church. Church. What is near or far from Jesus is our feelings. One of the problems that arises when we are in the storm is that we only focus on the crisis. We see loss, illness, pain, and we perceive them as exclusively negative. We see suffering as somehow wholly bad. But with eyes of faith, we understand that suffering is filled with meaning. Suffering is redemptive, like Jesus' is suffering on the cross. Suffering draws us closer to God and who he has called us to be. Faith tells us that sacrifice and suffering is part of God's purpose. Suffering often strengthens us. It tests our love. It gives us greater resolve to persevere and change things for the better in the world around us. It makes us, our faith stronger and prepares us the journey to heaven. And interestingly, prosperity often does the opposite to us. That is, we are lulled into thinking that there is no need for God. There is no need for faith. There is no need for goodness toward others. But of course, the blessings found in suffering only become apparent within the perspective of time. It takes time to work through suffering in order to see it in its true light. Eventually, with the guidance of faith, we begin to see that the hand of God is in life's misfortunes. And if we prayerfully persevere as Job did, we may come, become convinced that God is mysteriously and even more present to us in our suffering, showing his love for us in what we first thought was only punishment and pain. We will suffer in this life. Storms will come. Some of us will suffer greatly, but there is always hope. Jesus will awaken and calm the storms of life eventually, enabling us to enter our final harbor in eternal life where we will discover the fullness of perspective, where we will leave faith aside and have the knowledge of the love of God, where we will know without without the storms that the omnipotent, loving Father in heaven is on our side in the boat with us.